All right, everyone, we got a fun show planned today. We're going to talk cameras and lighting, maybe a little audio, accessories, everything you need to do a great live stream, no matter what level you're at, whether you're just starting out or you're an experienced or advanced live streamer. Diana Gladney is here. She's a terrific YouTuber and video creator and live streamer and entrepreneur. It's the first time we've talked, although we've seen each other's videos for quite a while. And so let's get to it. Let's do a show. So about three or four weeks ago, we did a show on gear. I actually had a guest scheduled who couldn't make it. And I threw together a gear show and it was really one of the most well-received shows. I did it myself, of course, my background being radio means I focus a lot on audio, and I think audio is perhaps the most important part of your live video, but we're seeing so many people up-level the video side, and if they were using a built-in webcam, now they're using an external webcam. If they had been using an external webcam for a while, they're looking into mirrorless and DSLRs or camcorders or action cams. And if they've been using those devices for a while, maybe they're getting into lenses or they're getting into uh, how to light their sets different ways. Well, we have a, a tremendous expert with us today. Diana Gladney is here from Entree Woman TV. We're going to talk about the visual side, particularly cameras and lenses and lighting, and also get into her thoughts as well on audio because she produces tremendous videos, and I can't wait to get into that. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see the chat already going over on YouTube. Dana Bentz is here. Uh, you can catch Dana on her StreamYard shows uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Heidi is here. Beauty Bubble is here. Welcome. Good to see you. Uh, Giorgio is here. Uh, thanks to everybody joining us on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter and Periscope. It's great to have you with us as we get into uh, some news about StreamYard and about the live streaming industry, and then we'll get to Diana Gladney in just a few minutes. Uh, and there she is. She'll be joining us uh, momentarily to talk about uh, cameras and lighting and more. As I change my background, just walking you through the process here, uh, and now that I have that done, we can move on to StreamYard. Of course, uh, you know the three pillars, but we start with it every time, just as Gage and Dan. Gage on the left, Dan on the right. They're the co-founders. They do on their town hall as well. It's ease of use, stability, and professional-looking stream. StreamYard is a product that works right out of the box. It's what we're using for our live production and streaming. It's what gets the show done every week. And then there's a lot of options for customization as well and several different plans. Not only can you go live, but there's built-in integration with Facebook, with LinkedIn Live, with YouTube, with Periscope, which of course gets you on Twitter. You can also go to your Twitch channel. And if that isn't enough, you can use RTMP to go to just about any destination uh, that accepts an RTMP connection. You basically just enter a uh, URL, uh, an RTMP URL and a stream key, and that's all you need. It's how I go live on Amazon Live. Instead of going just from the mobile app, I'm able to take advantage of screen share and all the different features of StreamYard by connecting through RTMP to Amazon's Live Creator app on mobile and then pushing that out to Amazon Live. So if you haven't started using StreamYard yet, you can get started right away and get a taste of the 
paid features. You can certainly stream for free for up to 20 hours a month, which is a pretty darn good deal. And you can use some of the features. But if you want to see the, the full suite of features, you can do a free trial at LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard. LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard. And, of course, we're multi-streaming. That's one of the popular paid features on the basic plan. You can go to up to three destinations and on the pro plan, you can go up to eight destinations, which is pretty cool. I don't know. Does anybody go to eight destinations? Um, I know some people have, there's some people who go to a lot of Facebook destinations. Um, we're just going to the StreamYard Facebook page right now. But tomorrow night when I go live, I'm going to go to both my personal and my uh, go to my personal and my business page. So that's something, um, we have new shows coming. We've, uh, we've been teasing it a lot for a while. We had Nick Nimmin and Dean Nimmin, Roberto Blake and Daniel Battelle on and, uh, Gage made the announcement again this weekend. So we're very excited about the new creators who are joining our content team here at StreamYard. And here's what Gage had to say about that at the town hall. We have new shows from uh, Nick and Dean Nimmin, Daniel uh, Batal and Roberto Blake. Those will be on the uh, on the YouTube channel and uh, those guys are great, you know, content creators and they have great tips to share as far as how to actually be successful on YouTube, uh, both with live streaming and outside of live streaming, just how to set your live uh, YouTube channel up in general as far as, you know, a compelling thumbnail image or 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 the description or tags, all that all that good stuff that'll help you be more successful. So, if you're not Subscribe to the StreamYard YouTube channel. You'll want to do that in order to get notified about their content. YouTube.com slash StreamYard. We are streaming to the StreamYard YouTube channel as well as the StreamYard Facebook page and my Twitter and Periscope. So we're mixing it up with a variety of different channels. Um, and then the other big feature addition it's really an easy one to use, and that's the full screen button for uh, whether you're in the studio as a host or a guest, you can take the video monitor within the screen and blow that up full screen. It is the uh, full screen feature, so you can now um, actually full screen. Uh, your guests can have a full screen option, and so do you as the as the host. If this is, I mean, I think particularly useful if you're trying to screen share and your guest really needs to see the details of what's happening on on screen. This can uh, can be very useful. Dan's got a, a brief video for us. It's so easy. I'm going to I'm going to skip Dan's video for time and just you see that that little red circle in the bottom of your screen if you're listening uh, and not watching. Basically, you're in the studio. There's the video screen within the studio and there's a little square when you mouse over the screen in the lower right corner. You click that and you and basically that video window takes over the entire screen you can also just put your your cursor any your mouse anywhere in the in the video window and double click so it, it's really that easy to do um the other big piece of news uh coming out of the town hall was streamer templates dean nimmin is designing templates for StreamYard users. There's different template packages. There's a couple of free ones and a few paid ones. And Dee talked about some of the features that those templates will have. So you can customize any of this. Put your social media accounts on there, put your name, put any text that you want, your website. Uh, and you can save these as transparent PNG files. So if they go on top as an overlay or you can use them as backgrounds as well. We've got lower thirds. Uh, this is one of the marketing screens that I was talking about. So we have text areas. So if you have digital products or an ebook or a physical product that you're trying to sell, uh, we leave a space on these screens to uh, for you to drop your image on top of. And we've justified the text. We've justified it to the right. We've justified it to the left. And we put it in the center in case you don't want to put any image at all. I love those marketing screens. That was something I hadn't thought of. I love the way the picture drops in. Something I'm going to use on my live stream deals show tomorrow night. And Dee's very open to feedback from the community. He's got plans to do a lot more, although he's already got 
I think six, four or six premium packages out. He's got two free packages. There is more to come. Schedule we're trying to come up with, uh, we're going to do with this is one to two new themes per month. Awesome. Cool. All sorts of different feels and ideas. So if anybody has uh, a, a theme that they're trying to come up with or a vibe, hit me up. Hit me up, especially if you need uh, certain screens and that sort of thing. Sweet. Yeah. And eventually I want to get into uh, motion graphics and that sort of thing. Uh, countdowns and you know, one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. perfect. I think that's the, the <laughs> next popular subject is uh, can I have a custom countdown timer? So there's definitely yeah, some, some demand coming. there as well. So if you need uh, backgrounds, overlays, and different customized elements to add to your broadcast, check out uh, D. Nimmons Designs. You can go to LivestreamUniverse.com slash templates, LivestreamUniverse.com slash templates. And that's a, it's a nice addition to have these. Uh, really helps move people forward in terms of standing out visually livestreamuniverse.com slash templates. And I also want to give a big thanks to Jesse Guthrie. Speaking of the designs, Jesse's been working with me all season and he's been creating different backgrounds throughout the season. We haven't yet had a chance to use the three up one, uh, but he is responsible for the look as it continues to evolve. We made the plan with him before the season started that we were going to evolve the look a little bit at a time throughout the season. And uh, he's doing a great job. So you can also check out Jesse's work at streamsensemedia.com, streamsensemedia.com. Come and in the news, a uh, couple items I just want to mention. Live streaming growth won't slow down, according to Mashable. Basically, what the takeaway from this article was is that if you think that live streaming right now is simply being driven by the pandemic and that people are going to stop using live video or the numbers are going to reduce in a major way once the pandemic is over, the article makes the argument, as do the people that they quote within the article, that the pandemic is like an accelerator, but the pieces were already in place. The growth was already happening for live streaming, and there's just too many businesses and companies and people building their personal brand who have reached the point where they see live streaming as an essential element of their marketing and their business strategy. And it's not something that's going to go away once the pandemic is over and we're able to still uh, meet and do business face to face. So I, I thought that was very interesting about the future of live streaming. Also, you may have heard about YouTube uh, age restricting many more of the videos. The Verge had an article about it. There's also uh, a couple of very good videos I saw on Twitter. I wish I jotted down the names of the people who did them. But basically, from what I understand, um, unless you're doing a very edgy show, if you just curse like one time in your show, and of course we do a clean family show here, but if you were to curse, say one time in your show, that's not going to mean that you're going to get age restricted on your content in terms of people having to sign in and prove they're over 18. And that's basically what's happening. If YouTube sees something that's pushing the limits of what they consider, you know, age appropriate, content or whatever you have to just sign in and verify that you're 18 before you watch uh, a video and as a creator you know maybe maybe you you don't care but if you're monetized you might you might lose a little bit of money as you might lose a few views from people who say yeah i'm not going to spend the time to sign in i'll just go watch something else but overall i think the impact from what I'm getting from listening to other people and their analysis of this is that the impact isn't going to be that great on the average YouTuber. If you're doing very much R rated to X rated material and it's not just a, a word or two, but it's, it's a constant stream of that, then be prepared that you may face some, some age restrictions on some of your videos and your, your viewers might have to sign it.
So the other cool thing I saw last night is Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls was streaming on Facebook Gaming. And I'm not a gamer, so this is not a primary source. I saw this story in a tweet from Bleacher Nation and... Basically, Zach learned he's got a new head coach while he was live streaming, and you get to hear his reaction come across while he's live streaming. We, we talked about this when a, a player from uh, Tampa in baseball heard that one of his teammates was traded, and he had a pretty strong negative reaction that he felt the team got robbed in the trade. In this case, Zach Levine was very happy to learn that the Bulls had hired Billy Donovan, who's been a a, a solid coach with Oklahoma City and won some championships in college. But it was interesting to hear his reaction live, kind of an un you know, kind of a candid moment. And uh, Zach isn't too expressive, but you could tell that he was enjoying it. So that's the news. This is StreamYard Connect. Don't forget, you can host your show with StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com, slash StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com, slash StreamYard. I'm Ross Brand. This is Livestream. Uh, this is StreamYard Connect. Easy for me to say. And let's bring on our guest. We have a tremendous guest today. I'm so excited to welcome Diana Gladney. She's uh, the host of Entree Woman TV, the Entree Woman TV YouTube channel. She's a full-time videographer and video editor living the dream as an entrepreneur, creating videos for business as a main part of her day and her income. And of course, you can find everything more about Diana at dianagladney.com. Welcome, Diana. It's great to have you on the show, and it's so great to talk to you for the first time. I know, Ross. It's been too long. I've been watching you <laughs> for a long time, but I'm super pumped and just uh, honored to be here on the show today. So thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks so much for joining. You know, when I was uh, when I was in school, um, it, there would be some teachers who were really smart, and what they would do is they would make things easy to understand, mm -hmm. and how they explained it. It's like if you're really, really an expert in something and you've really explored it yourself, sometimes you can explain it more easily than somebody who's sort of dabbling in it for the first time. And I love the way you talk about cameras and lenses and lighting and you make it accessible to people who are learning about it and you know delving into the the mirrorless camera market for the first time yeah. five six months ago i i really enjoyed your videos and understanding the differences and why you might want a sony or you might want a canon mm -hmm. so um talk a little bit about what people can find on your channel in general and then we'll we'll get into some specifics as far as recommendations go Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like that, that whole theme around what my channel is now and has been for the last couple of years, it wasn't what it started with. And so, you know, like most people, you kind of think you want to talk about this or you start your channel on that. So those early, early days, those first videos was about, you know, small business and things like that. But um, the more I was trying to figure out stuff with video, the more I realized that it was really only like photographers and cinematographers. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to make a feature <laughs> film here. I just want to <laughs> make YouTube videos for my business. And so I really just uncovered this passion about video. So on the channel, what I share is all of those early things that I wish I had known that people overcomplicated and just made extremely frustrating about mm. how to get a professional look with a very simple setup without having to blow thousands of dollars like I did on getting the wrong equipment because you're buying people's excitement versus like really knowing how to identify what you need for your space with your budget and what's really going to work and get a professional look out of that. And so I just try to break down every little concept uh, that goes into that without trying to get you to a cinematographer point. Cause I think that's just overkill. So I just right. go into the stuff about the cameras, you know, even when it comes to editing and some tips about recording videos for yourself uh, and just the gear that makes that the easiest uh, and most efficient process. Cause as entrepreneurs, as people with kids at home, it's like everybody right. has quote unquote the kids right now. Um, it's just too much going on to buy the wrong stuff and then not know <laughs> what's going to happen with shipping. So I just try to help around around those different things. Well, I think it puts a lot of pressure on you oh, if yeah. you're a new creator and you go out and you spend a lot of money on mm. gear before you've sort of found your voice and you found out what you're doing because your first few shows are probably not going to be 
shows that are worthy of a, you know, $10,000 studio. Right. And then you're going to feel all bummed. Like I just spent all this money and it mm -hmm. isn't good yet. Mm -hmm. You know? So I always say like, let your, let your content be ahead of your, your kit. And then yep. if you're doing it that way, then you're, you know why you need to upgrade when you need to upgrade. And a lot of times you're doing it for yourself as much mm -hmm. as you're doing it for the audience, because if the content is good, I, I think that's where it all starts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. Put the content before the kit. I might, I might give you credit for that once <laughs> Ross, and then, you know, just may show up on the website or something. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it's like, and, and we just kind of use it as a, as an excuse as well, because there may be underlying fears about being on camera or, uh, just all kinds of insecurities that kind of come up when it's time to hit that record button. And so it's easy to buy things and say you don't have enough things to buy yet or you're waiting to get the money to buy more things to right. keep you from, you know, showing up. So it's like if you can just show up with the right content, you know, whatever the gear is uh, kind of doesn't matter, but it's, it's ways to kind of just make it look mm -hmm. better still. So what are the basics for somebody starting out or who has who's on a limited budget or just they're looking at at prices for things right now on mm -hmm. some of the how do I say this delicately popular sites where one might order something that they could get delivered tomorrow <laughs> and they notice that sellers have taken a $50 item and are selling it for $350 and then you go to other places with sell things oh, for God. list and there's none available so yeah perhaps some people are stuck with their built-in webcam uh what can they do if they're using a built-in webcam to make it look as good as possible okay well i'm definitely going to answer that but i would say the thing to get correct first is the hierarchy when it comes to the content creation to make the videos work mm -hmm. most people think i need a camera i need a microphone and then i'm gonna get lights and accessories and that's so backwards right. you need a good microphone and then if you're using something like a webcam, you already most of the time have some kind of a video source. Then you would want to get lighting. And then there are things that you can do to correct the video. So the video kind of comes last or second to last, depending on if you do or don't have lights, maybe. So if you're using something like the built-in webcam on your computer, we need to understand the limitations of that equipment. Right. It's just like, you know, the even rolls of toilet tissue, as <laughs> hot topic as that was a couple months ago. You're only going to get so many pulls before you run out. So it's like, well, I only right. got, you know, so many days before this runs out. Okay, well, everything has limitations. So cameras on the on your webcam, one, let's clean it off first so mm -hmm. we can have a clear image. We do want to have some lighting, but then we want to raise it up to about eye level or face level, set it on shoe boxes, set it on those. We're not going to name the website.com that everybody goes to that's on everybody's <laughs> statement every month. Okay, right. so but get some boxes, some books, some something and bring it up eye level. And then we can start to have video that looks like this versus, you know, the chin looking up at the chin or up at your nose and just an unflattering look. And right. so it's like doing basic things like that change the perspective of like, what did I just walk into versus it looking normal? And that's right, the baseline right. with any video. Let's start making it look normal because it's easy to look at the screen. Like if I was looking over here, then everybody would be wondering, well, what the heck is she looking at? Or, you know, so look at the lens, that little, little lens that's on your, your laptop or your webcam. And then that gets you kind of like at a baseline level. That's one of the hardest things to do coming from radio and then starting to live stream in, mm -hmm. in 25, late 2015 it's taken me a long time and I'm still not where I I'd like to be because mm -hmm. like in radio, there was no idea you had to look anywhere. All you could, yeah. you know, you could make the most ridiculous faces, <laughs> whatever you needed to do to get those words out and express mm -hmm. because it was a one dimensional kind of thing. But, um, it's not natural to look at the lens. It's natural to look down at the computer and the person you're talking to and or you're listening to mm -hmm. and it's 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 not an easy thing to get used to looking into the lens particularly when you're listening yeah absolutely because it is just it, we think we want to look people in the eye and so right. if we have some kind of visual representation even ourselves on camera or we can see ourselves on the laptop we're looking at ourselves in the eye right. but we have to always look <laughs> at it from the viewer's perspective and know that we're not looking at them and we're making them feel like worse than a fly on the wall. 
because it's like even like you'll see YouTube ads and it's so pathetic mm -hmm. and I hate it. It's just like, you know, they're <laughs> having their phone up and it's just like, right, if right. you want to grow a million dollars and it's like, but I'm not. Never mind. We'll just skip the ad. You know, it's like, so, <laughs> it's like, you right. know, it's like, look, it's so I, what I would do is I cheated um, mm -hmm. initially. I printed out on just regular printed paper. Somebody that you're comfortable talking to that, whether your husband, your wife, your mom, dad, or just whomever, and just kind of paste that right underneath there or just something to let you know, like, these are where the people are. Mm -hmm. It's like you're in the room by ourselves, but at the same time, we need to speak to the who we're trying to connect with. And if we can get that, like, that muscle repetition there, just, mm -hmm. you know, that muscle memory going, then after a while, you just kind of get used to it. Because even now, if I look down here, then everybody's like, why is she looking like that? I got to look at the lens. Right, so it makes right. it look like I'm connecting with everybody. And then you just kind of get used to it. Right, right. Now I have a, a Sony a6400. So I'm able to flip up the screen. Yeah. And so that's helping me a little bit. Although I'm probably looking over the lens at times, but at yeah. least I'm closer than than doing this. I'll, yeah, I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying. Yeah. We'll give you a break. We'll give you. A break. We'll let you keep hosting the show. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. So um, let's get into uh, external webcams. Um, the popular ones seem to be the Logitech C920, mm -hmm. C922 mm -hmm. X. Some people use the Logitech Brio. If somebody is using their in a built-in webcam and they were able to find a webcam that's close to what the price should be. <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you recommend the next step being the external webcam or do you recommend jumping ahead to a another kind of camera? Well, honestly, now we can introduce something else that a lot of people already have that honestly has a better camera, and that's your phone. Mm -hmm. You know, we have programs like Filmic. I think it's Filmic Pro that just announced it recently. It's like $10. That's a pretty high price for an app, but let's look at the grand scheme of things because uh, the cameras we're talking about are like 1000 at least $500, something like that. Mm -hmm. If you can find one good use, not been thrown up against the wall, then maybe, you know, right. three or 400 or something. But you know, for 10 bucks, you can get and get an application that removes all the icons and you can use your smartphone that has a way better camera. You probably spent already a thousand dollars on that or are paying for it still. So it, it's we have some other options now. I wouldn't necessarily recommend a web camera if your phone kind of already is better and has in multiple lenses and is very clear and things like that, because that will work better. If you can find a Logitech camera, um, that's fine, but I'd rather you spend $10 first, get mm -hmm. used to setting up your phone, which is something that is a device that you're comfortable with. Cause sometimes just that the foreignness of a new device is just like, man, I gotta learn how to use this thing. You're already familiar with your phone. So now the only little curve that we're introducing is the software. And that way, at least you can get used to, and just before you really invest in any hardware, are you going to actually live stream? Because a lot, a lot of people like to buy a bunch of stuff and then it sits for a year. I can't tell you how many emails I got say, I, I didn't have this camera for a year and I'm just now starting to watch videos on it. And it's just like, well, like why? You know, so let's just, I would say lower the barrier to entry and just introduce more comfort zone mm -hmm. so that you can create a little bit more easier and actually use your phone. But if you can get a Logitech web camera, they're okay. But mm -hmm. I think now your phone is more advanced than that and you can probably already got accessories for your phone or you can get them very cheaply. And so I think that's a better barrier to entry these days than the Logitech web cameras that are selling for like two, 300 sometimes, which is just baffling. Yeah. The phone is a remarkably good camera and mm -hmm. the, I have a, I think iPhone 10 something. Oh yeah. And, and you know, I, for the first time right before the uh pandemic lockdown when we could still go to events yeah i put it on to 4k and i went out and i did some some videos and i was just astonished by the quality i was mm -hmm. doing interviews it was just the camera didn't have any lighting set up and just using a handheld mic and it, it was amazing how good the the video quality is so um, oh, yeah. And if you have a webcam or you have a mirrorless camera DSLR, it's a great second camera mm -hmm. to use as well. Yeah. And to put that into perspective, like I did uh, last year an event for the, well, it used to be the St. Louis Rams. We're not going to get onto that, but it used, to be, it used to be the Rams, but it was like this gala event. Uh, so a lot of old Rams players were there. They had the news people there. It was a, a big deal. And so right. I'm there doing a videography work for one of the clients there. But what was interesting was that the local news station, one of the, the big local news stations here, 
they were using a little circular light. So just like a little mm -hmm. ring light for the phone, a little selfie stick that they were able to record uh, and a little microphone that they would connect with the adapter. That's usually like 10 or $20 online. Right. And the news that went out about that event came from like an iPhone eight. Right. So it's like, if it's big enough for a network to actually put on TV, it's like your phones are more competent and capable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's good to see Daniel Battelle here. We talked about him a little bit earlier, and joining up with StreamYard. He says, Diana is the only reason I know how to use a Canon <laughs> M50 as a webcam. And Patricia Murray is here. She says she started out in Radio 2. What keeps her on point for looking into the lens is thinking of it as an eye rather than a lens. That's, mm. that's interesting. That's a good tip. Yep. Thank you, Patricia. Good to see you, Daniel. And good to see uh, Cassandra here and uh, Bridget, Bridget and some of the other folks who have joined us. Thank you so much. As we continue talking with Diana Gladney from Entree Woman TV, the Entree Woman TV YouTube channel and dianagladney.com. Um, okay, so you've got your phone or maybe you've got your DSLR, you've got a mirrorless camera, or even if you're just using your built-in webcam, what what are some of the basics of lighting that people need to think about? Um, let's invest in good lighting. Good lighting mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean expensive lighting, um, but we do want to get something that's color accurate. And I think mm -hmm. when we get too cheap when we're searching online, then we can get lights that tend to have like a, a greenish hue or a purplish hue. And it's very slight and we really probably won't notice it with our eyes. But when you put it up with a camera, the camera's trying to figure out and decipher what to do, especially if you're running like mm. your camera in auto mode, if you're new to, to using it, which a right. lot of people do. <laughs> The camera's trying to figure out what to do. And it's just like, ah, I've never seen this before. It's just like, you right, know, so the right. camera's struggling. So let's get color accurate light. Like one of the brands that I like is very simple. It's like 20 bucks is uh, by a company called like Viltrox. And they have like these super simple LED light panels that will give you the daylight temperature light. So most of us are recording indoors or maybe your room doesn't get a lot of sunlight. So we can use one of those, get a $10 light stand and have that up, but not like directly in our face, but you kind of want it up. Um, and a little bit higher and pointing down and angling at you. So my glasses, people, you're not getting a ton of reflection uh, on your glasses and you're well lit. Right, right. And then you want to use some diffusion material. Most people would get like big old softbox lights. But again, we're recording probably mm -hmm. in areas to where we're either having to make shift, like sometimes it's the dining room and sometimes it's mm -hmm. the office. So if you even if you do or don't have a dedicated space, we want to soften that light so that you are well lit. Um, you can have your environment well lit, but you being well lit is the the primary thing. Um, so whether it's a webcam, whether it's your phone, every camera needs lighting. I don't care how good it is said to be in, you know, online and on YouTube of it being like a low light, whatever. Get lighting for your cameras because that is going to help bring out the best in the lenses and for what the actual cameras can do. Yeah, my, my friend Michael Kenny, who um, works in has worked in broadcasting for like 30 years he's been an actor he's been a documentary filmmaker he recommended those viltrox lights before yeah. that i had been using just regular house lamps and the difference is un unbelievable i just have mm -hmm. two of them uh but those along with a window with a shade that doesn't totally block out the light is yep. is all i need i used to have lights on my green screen and i i don't even need that with the with the camera i'd probably mm -hmm. be better with it but uh until i get a couple more of these one thing i would say for live streaming get get the ac adapter oh, because yeah. it comes i think they come with a battery with a mm -hmm. choice of either battery or ac adapter i got i got both one of like you can order the ac adapter separately mm -hmm. uh but one time doing it with a battery and realizing i'm gonna have to charge this every day yeah was nah you just want to plug it in and then turn it on and turn yep. it off <laughs> that's right it's like especially I, i'm always for simple systems and efficiency so like the set it mm -hmm. and forget it those infomercials ruin me because i try to set it and forget it for everything even like food and it get, that's translated over the live streaming so the AC adapters are a win-win for sure. And if you're on the go or like you're traveling, like sometimes I still have to travel for my work, um, you can get you a nice little battery bank adapter. Mm -hmm. And if your camera has 
internal USB charging, uh, it's helpful to start with an already charged battery. But like I was sharing like that Rams Gala event, um, mm -hmm. pull out my second battery and come to find out that thing is depleted. Like it didn't charge up. I forgot to plug right. it in, but I was able to run for the rest of the night on a little battery bank in my pocket with just, uh, you know, a little charge. So that'll still work for you in a pinch and live right, streaming. Right. Um, and you can do long-term recordings for it. So it definitely helps. The ones I have, you can actually also pop them on a camera and mm -hmm. if you, you, they can actually sit because they're small enough to do that. Yep. I want to bring in a question um, from, from YouTube, Bridget, Bridget, well, I don't know why I'm having such trouble with you know. <laughs> Ms. Brown Jackson asks, uh, what is Diana using for lighting in front of her right now and the up lighting behind her setup is so soothing? Ah, why, thank you. <laughs> um, I am using um, a Viltrox light, like I mm -hmm. recommended, and I'm right. using um, a pop-up softbox light. And so if I wanted to condense this down, it'll probably get about this big when it's put away. But when I open it up, it's very big. So it softens that light out. That's usually really direct, kind of like a flashlight. Mm -hmm. We're now spreading that light over so that you can see me and my environment well lit. Otherwise, the office is dark. And I mean, I guess we're giving away street secrets here today. So <laughs> when it comes to the backlighting, I have a little Ikea lamp that's about $30 um, at Ikea that you can get. And it just has like this little remote so I can turn it on. I can turn it off. I mm -hmm. can change the colors of it if I want to. So you start to see it turn purple and start to go through some of the color spectrums and stuff ah. like that. And then the other one is not so fancy. I wanted to see and make sure that it would be a setup that I wanted. And so I took one of my other little Viltrox lights, just about $20, and I got um, some colored gels. And so I wanted to experiment with colors first. And that looks honestly kind of really nice and just the same. Um, and so the gels cost about $2 at your local craft store, or you can get them online or whatever. And you just kind of cover that light and mm. put it on a little stand or angle it up against the wall. And there's your colored lights. So that's what's going on behind the sofa. <laughs> right, right. How do you decide... Um I, I guess it has to do with your the the lighting and your skin tone and all those things. Like, how do you decide what coloring to set the lights at? I, I know mine okay. have like Kelvin setting mm -hmm. on them, and um, I have sort of a an idea what it, what I set it to during the day and at okay. night. But I really explain explain what what you mean when you say color temperature and how you would how you would adjust them or why you would want to adjust the color of the lights. Okay. So honestly, this one thing, and if you don't learn mm -hmm. any other ter technical terms, it's white balance. Right. And the white balance lets us and the camera be able to say, okay, here's the lighting temperature, whether it is more of that tungsten light or that warmer yellowish light that you usually see when mm -hmm. you're in the living room or something like that versus daylight temperature. And even your light bulbs, you could probably get one out the closet right now. It'll have a temperature on there. Usually it's either going from like that bluish, whitest kind of of white look like this one is to more of a warmer look. So it's really about preference of what you want. I could change the the temperature with my remote, wherever it is now in the office, mm -hmm. but I could change the temperature of it and make the light warmer, whereas right now it's cooler. It's really just a preference of what you like. Mm -hmm. I tend to tint mines down just a little bit. And I just want to play with the light before I do anything on the camera. I just want to adjust that lighting to kind of get it as bright as it needs to be or, you know, kind of reduce that down. And so it's at, here's the remote, it's at like 4,500 Kelvins, uh, mm -hmm. just to give you the actual number. But in my camera, you can set it if you don't have what's called a gray card, uh, which is usually about seven to $9 online. Um, and what that does is it basically lets the camera read the temperature of the light in the room to, so you don't, you don't have to really physically go and set it. It's mm -hmm. like a little gray card, you hold it up to the camera, it takes a picture of it and it adjusts to say, oh, this is what white should look like. This oh, is what the color should look like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like and that's the difference between you looking sick on camera or your skin kind of looking really pale mm -hmm. versus and that and that's just like universal, any skin tone or whatever. But right. it also helps if you want a warmer tone or hue to your skin. So I'm brown skin. I don't necessarily want it to be super bright, maybe a little bit more ashy for my preference. I mm -hmm. sometimes want it a little bit warmer. That's not going to require me to change the actual lighting. I could just adjust the white balance sometimes mm -hmm. to just bring that down. But your lights can help also. But regardless as to what's going on, 
if you're using a real camera for video or for live streaming, the one thing I always check is my audio levels. And then I'll set the white balance every time I'm getting ready to stream. Yeah. Speaking of audio, um, whatever call me says your mic, Diana, sounds amazing. <laughs> You're you. using the same mic that I used for the first several years that I was live streaming. And mm -hmm. it's the one I always recommend to anybody who wants to know what mic should I get. Tell us about the mic you're using and why you like it so much. Well, if we had some show music, I am using the <laughs> Samson Q2U. <laughs> there you go. USB XLR microphone that runs from anywhere from $45 to $50 online. <laughs> and it's like, um, I chose this mic after trying. I got a mic in here that's $100. I have a mic also that's $200. And when I compared the quality of the audio, I'm not noticing any significant difference that's not going to detract from the quality. And I get compliments all the time on this microphone. And I just like, I've had other ones and I'll try it out. And I'm like, I just love the way this sounds. And I, I really prefer it for its versatility. Samson Q2U for the win. It's going on about two, three years now. I've been at nice. this thing. <laughs> Uh, if you don't want me, if you don't mind me asking, if you don't want to say, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, that's okay. Yeah. But what are your, your other microphones that you've chosen this one over? If you don't mind me asking. Oh yeah, sure. So, uh, <laughs> we'll throw everybody <laughs> under the bus. No, so <laughs> no, it's, uh, I've tried the Audio Technica ATR 2100. And so they also came out with the 2100 X that, uh, mm -hmm. came out and that one required me to really, really be close to the mic, like uncomfortably close. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, you know what? I just want you to back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was just too much. You'd have to always find, find some kind of way to tweak it. Um, so I wanted something that would reject the background like that one, same functionalities, <laughs> not it. Samson was the way to go for me. Um, I also have one that I'm actually trying out. It's probably not good for brand, whatever, re or relationships or whatnot, but I'm trying one out by Movo. And this mm. is actually really nice. It's a hundred bucks. It, you know, has all these, you know, fancy things going on with it, but at the same time, it's a hundred bucks. And it's like comparative to the way that it rejects background noise versus this one, it's still a dynamic mic. So it's only picking up the pickup pattern just right here, right. nothing behind it or whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but it's also this much bigger, that much heavier. And it only is an XLR. So I have to use an audio interface. Right. And then I also have one that was by, I'm trying to think of the company's name. Um, but it was a, a something i don't editor keys editor uh -huh. keys great company but and the microphone is great but it's more of a singing microphone because it is a condenser microphone and mm. it doesn't have a dynamic pickup pattern so it's picking up everything Too much noise yep and so i'm like well i'm not singing anytime soon nobody's ever paid me to hit a <laughs> tune so we're gonna gift this to somebody that can sing right, right. <laughs> you know kind of a thing so i've tried you know different ones in between there um those primarily are what i currently have in here and it's just like at the end of the day i come back to this one because it sounds the best with the most uh, functionality and flexibility and probably yeah. some uh, tips that I can give when it comes to like using this microphone for your camera in other ways that you probably wouldn't think about. So that's why I like it. Yeah. Like what, what would you say you're doing with that microphone with your camera that you're able to get really good sound from it? So most people only think of this for podcasting or like connecting it to the computer because of mm -hmm. XLR or USB. But the headphone jack that comes on this microphone, so yes, you can hear, but you're using it for your laptop most of the time, mm -hmm. or like I have the Sony a6600, that has a headphone jack. But right. this sends audio out through the headphones so we can hear. That also can work when you're traveling. So when I'm in a hotel room, it's loud. I can throw my mic in the bag, and I can plug in the 3.5 millimeter, just like the headphone in from right. the headphone into the camera, and you hear this audio in that camera. It's not hooked up into the computer or nothing like that. It's just solely sending the audio from here to the camera. And it's just so it's brilliant. going out the headphone jack by 3.5 millimeter and then goes into the three, the camera's 3.5 millimeter. Yep. And that way you're bypassing the camera's preamp for the most part and you're yep. getting the higher quality audio. Yep. I love doing that. And yeah. it's, it's even like with the Sony cameras, you can record internally in the camera. So if I wanted my own copy of uh, this talk, for example, mm -hmm. then I can be recording in the camera right now in the same connection. So I'm right. hooked in via USB and I'm sending sending audio out through the headphone jack and it's picking up both flawlessly. And so it's just, you know, a lot of fun finding those little connections, right, uh, right. you know, get to use it. 
Yeah, it's just, I, I mean, the, the ATR 2100 was all people were talking about five mm -hmm. years ago for, for getting started. And it's kind of the right mic in the right ballpark if for some voices might be better than the Sam. But I think for most people, the Samson's just a warmer, it's a little bit richer, smoother mm -hmm. sound. And it's it's a little less tinny and a little less... Uh, it just—it's just a better. Set. It's got—it's got a little bit of body to it, like these yeah. bigger mics do. But yet, you can throw it in a bag and take it with you as long as you're a little bit careful, because it has that audio interface built into it. But mm -hmm. you can use it as a, you know, as a handheld mic for doing. You can use it for everything. It's what you know. Yep. I call it a multi-purpose, a multi-purpose mic, and you can plug it into a soundboard and use it on mm -hmm. stage, or if you wanted to, in that situation. Okay, so let's get the cameras as far as mirrorless cameras go, right? Yeah. I when I got my my mirrorless camera, first time getting anything other than a webcam or point and shoot, I was all set to get the Canon M50. Whenever I got a cam <laughs> camera that wasn't a Canon through the years, I would always regret it and wish I got a Canon. So mm -hmm. I was all set on the M50. I loved the form factor, how light it was, you know, and I, I loved the Canon menu. So it was like comfortable and felt like home right dream come true right <laughs> yeah and then i realized uh from watching videos <laughs> i know where have, it's going <laughs> it didn't have clean hdmi out on yeah. on autofocus yeah um and so i was just hearing all these great things about sony's and this is the first time i got a sony in the a6400 or mm -hmm. any other brand other than canon where I've had no regrets. The Sony, mm. I think the Sony A6400 is amazing for somebody who just wants to plug and play. And hopefully when we get back to some something resembling normal, mm -hmm. I'll also take it with me and there's no record limit. So there's a lot of, I got it for versatility. But I think any of those, so, like the Sony A5100 is like $400 with the kit lens. I, I think that, People look amazing using that that camera to live stream. I think the Sony like A series had something going yeah. for it for live streaming. Um, talk about why you made the the change over to uh, to Sony's. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's like so. You know, most people they search my name and they search Canon M50 <laughs> with it, and then they're like, "Man, it looks great." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's not a Canon anymore. It's for a long time now." So, <laughs> and so. My thing was, I got the M54 vlogging, and I'm like, okay, well, it's because at the time I was uh, primarily using a Panasonic camera. Right. And so you want all those Canon like things and features and ease of use and, you know, all the rest of it. Right, right. But at the same time, it's like everything else. And for the longest time, I think the, the biggest problem with some of the even the older uh, Sony cameras was like it had issues with overheating, battery life, mm -hmm. um, and some other things that it suffered from. And just Canon was like the industry standard. So I started there too. When I got the M50, um, I was just like, man, you know, this little thing can do way more than we think it can do. So I just kind of dive dug in knee deep for the camera. However, when it comes to where we are now, you know, 2018 requirements for doing video, live streaming and the like, those were different requirements. And so the basic standard now has to include that clean HDMI out. And so you know, it's only so long that you're going to be able to use that camera, honestly. And I've had mine now for goodness, pushing three years. It's just like, it's only so much that you can make that camera do before you mm -hmm. start to run into the limitations. And then honestly, I already started with a lot of limitations. Whereas the Sony's, a lot of those frustrations are unlocked. For example, I talked about already just recording internally forever, as long as you got battery life and a memory card that can hold it. You can record internally and the mm -hmm. camera not overheat and you have no issues with that. Right. In addition to live streaming, that's not possible on the M50. Um, in addition to, um, again, just the unlimited recorded limit. And mm -hmm. most people say, well, my videos are only 10 or 15 minutes, but can you record it in 10 minutes flat? Right. And, right, you, know, right, right. you know, mistakes and all. And the answer is most of the time, no. Or if you're doing an interview, do you really like, like, let's just like, you got a Warren Buffett. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Jeff Bezos or whoever, pick any of your favorite persons in the world that are successful. You get they say, I'll sit down with you for an hour uninterrupted. You can record it and we'll talk. Are you going to ask them at twenty nine minutes and fifty? Now, hold that thought. I know you were getting to some good stuff. Just let me, right. you know, go back, get back up and reset the camera. It's just like, no. 
And mm-hmm. so that's the same perspective, like that's the same valuation of time that we have right now for just doing basic things, even if you're a teacher or whatever. Do you want to stop your train of thought? Answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of knowing where and predicting and following the market and stuff like that. What are the limitations that the newer cameras are going to have? Where rules changed, which was like the recording limit that ended. Um, and it's like, OK, well, Canon's still kicking out cameras that have limitations, it's like, why when it's no real reason for that other than market segmentation? Like, well, if you want this, you need to spend a little bit more. It's like, I'm not playing that game. So I went to Sony that is just more creator uh, and entrepreneur friendly when it comes to the cameras. And then the quality is stellar. Um, It's just absolutely stellar. And I think the Canons aren't the beautiful cameras. I love them, but not as much as the Sony anymore. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) That's the only thing. (laughs) So um, Bridget asks, um, what camera are you using right now? I am using the Sony A6600 uh, mm. and for lens, because I know that usually follows it. I'm using the Sigma 16 uh, millimeter lens that'll say like F1.4, which just means the background gets blurry. Okay. Now, when you um, go out and you, if you go out and shoot or you're doing vlogging or, or pre-recorded videos, mm-hmm. are you using the A6600 or are you using the M50 for, for that? M50 hasn't been else. used. Yeah, M50 <laughs> hasn't been used in, in, in quite some time. I only use it for like tutorials um, mm-hmm. since last year. And so when I'm when I'm going out and I'm vlogging or I'm doing anything, it's using the either the A6400 or the A6600. And I'm primarily mm-hmm. um, leaning to almost always using the A6600 just because it has a headphone jack in there. Um, has a bigger battery, so you get longer battery life, and it has like the stabilization. Does that help, that stabilization, when you're on the go? Yeah, because it's like those extra little jitters that you have. It's not Mm -hmm. like industry-leading, for example, you know, compared to some other brands, but it definitely makes a difference, and it one of the things that's not really talked about is is it expands your lens options, because Mm -hmm. if you take a camera that doesn't have it, like the A6400, and you pair that with the lens that also doesn't have stabilization in the lens, you're you're now stuck with using a tripod, um, some other kind of bracing method, or you're using like a gimbal, which is a whole other right, complexity. Right. Now, when it comes to lenses, if I heard this right the other day when I was on watching your live stream, Sony is, you come into a lot more expense when it comes to buying lenses secondhand for Sony, like from a... You know, you're not you're buying off-brand lenses for Sony. It's more expensive in general than buying off-brand for Canon. Or did I not get that right? Well, the thing with lenses is that for when you compare lenses, for example, mm-hmm. like the vlogging lens is usually a wider angle lens. Right. So that 10 to 18 millimeter lens on Canon, for example, is three hundred dollars, maybe four hundred dollars. Translate that to Sony, that is eight ninety nine. Uh, these are U.S. prices. And so right. it's just like, well, whoa, wait, wait, what is it? Is it coming with made service or something? So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's like when you look at it, it's just like, wait, why? But we also compare the quality to quality. Um, the quality is there at times, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For not necessarily like the 10 to 18, it is, it is there for that. But I don't think it's that much for price though. But so if you're getting the branded lenses from Sony, you're tending to pay what we call like that Sony tax, which is that for that better quality glass to be in there, to have it have stabilization and some other things, you're paying for that extra quality and sharpness. And to be honest with you, it's like when trying Canon lenses versus trying like that same lens on a Sony camera, it just, it was a very, it was a noticeable difference. Like it's very sharp and it's just like, okay, it's like, I get it. The quality is there. You have Mm -hmm. to gauge whether or not it's there for you or not. But the good thing also is you have a lot of third-party brands that also make more budget-friendly and affordable lenses like Sim- mm-hmm. Sigma, Tamron. Right. Uh, you even have some Viltrox lenses, and then you have Samyang and Broken On and some other ones out there. So that kind of helped. And it's just like, okay, so I can get a great lens and not have to spend, you know, rent or mortgage money. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. So you can get affordable lenses for both cameras if you go to a third party. More or less, yes. And okay. that's honestly sometimes the better option. And if you're new at using a DSLR or a mirrorless, um, is the kit lens good enough for a while? Or should you start looking into prime lenses or other zoom lenses and, um, 
when you do that, where should you actually, you know, what, what is the right lens for live streaming for a studio setup? Um, that's a great question. And the thing is, is that I always teach, get the kit lens and you'll hear mm -hmm. online and I kind of don't, I just, it really pisses me off. So it's like everybody's right. dogs out the kit lens, but you need that kit lens to figure out a few things. Number one is like, you need to understand how to light using your camera. Cause it's not going to be the same as your phone. It's not going to be the same as your uh, webcam or whatever is going to require different things. And you also need to get comfortable using the camera. Uh, and so having a kit lens that can zoom to various ranges can right. help you learn what you need to do. Now, let's say you got the basics down of understanding how to use it. Essentially, the kit lens is essential because now you can zoom in for like a recording space like this. And I do the exact same thing when I get a camera. I want to zoom in to see, okay, where is the lens stopping at? to where everything is in frame that I want and everything that I don't want in frame is missing. So if you got dirty right. gym shoes just out of the frame, nobody can see them. <laughs> but if you get a lens too wide, it's just like, oh yeah, I forgot about that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, I think is, I think it's critical to get the kit lens so you can know what you need because right. most people will say, and they'll just go on YouTube, what's the best lenses for your camera. And that's not always super helpful because you'll hear um, focal lengths like 50 mm -hmm. millimeters, which is uh, mostly akin to what our eyes see. And so you figure right. well, that's not too bad. It's probably cheap lens. It'll work until you figure out you need to set your camera down the hallway so that you can actually be seen just maybe even from the waist up. Right, right. And so getting the kit lens lets you know what is that next lens that you should buy and that specific focal length. I wouldn't say that next purchase be a zoom lens because mm -hmm. most of the time we'll say, well, we want a blurry background. We want it to be sharp. We want it to be good for indoors or, you know, lower light indoor situations and hashtag mm -hmm. all the things. Well, those there's an expense for that with zoom lenses that can do all that with a prime lens that just is that mm -hmm. one focal length. You can get all those things and usually for like $300 or less. And so now you only need to get that focal length that you need specifically that'll work for you that actually looks good, can blur the background and like your quality just really jumps. Right. So when it comes to picking a lens for live streaming, um, you know, 16 to about 20 millimeters uh, on a lens, anything F 2.8, like you'll see in the description for what's called the aperture, right. that F 2.8, the lower that number is, the blurrier the background will be for you. So anything F 2.8 or lower, you're starting to get blurrier and blurrier backgrounds. Um, and and finding that, that sweet spot between, you know, something that's wide enough so your environment of what you want to be seen can be seen, but not your dirty gym shoes. Right, so. <laughs> right, right. And if you're in that range of, say, the A6400, the A5100, the A60s, if you're, if you're under $1,500, particularly if you're under $1,000 mm -hmm. or even in the $500 range, looking for a camera, is there any reason that somebody should consider a DSLR versus a mirrorless or is mirrorless the way to go for video and in particular for live video? I think at this point, presently uh, moving forward, I've full, full on stop recommending any DSLR cameras. And this is my mm -hmm. personal preference because we are not only using these cameras just for live streaming. When we're done with the live streaming, we are going to learn that we need to do Instagram stories or reels right. like, like right now. Right, and it's just right. like, Oh, well let me figure out what I need to do or do upload recorded YouTube content. So it's not just going to be for live streaming. The DSLR cameras, while they're super budget friendly, you can find them everywhere and they tend to have most of the stuff that we need. You're going to have more limitations similar to what I talked about with the M50. Um, in addition to when you plug in that microphone, it's going to sound just like shh. And now you're mm -hmm. searching for how to fix issues that require spending more money, getting right. more devices to try to reroute and work around frustrations that you've introduced by simply buying something that's like $100 or $200 cheaper. And it's not worth it um, at this present day. So that's my thoughts on like DSLRs. Okay. So now. Most people who have a mirrorless or DSLR through the years have mm -hmm. had to get capture cards or some other way to bring an HDMI into a computer as a webcam. Now, 
Uh, Canon has a beta. Maybe it's even coming out of beta soon. It's I'm out of beta sure. now. Oh, yeah. it is. Okay. Uh -huh. So they've got a way to just use USB to connect. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if Sony has that yet or they're working on it. but They do for Windows only right now. Okay. What do you think? Uh, is there a difference in quality? Is there a reason why you should get, still be buying capture cards or other devices? Like I'm using the ATEM Mini Pro, which is a hardware switcher, but basically I'm using it just for one camera. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a similar concept as the capture card, basically. Mm -hmm. um, capture card or just go in USB with this new technology that's available? Uh, it is for the Canon for right now. They're still trying to deal with some of the quality limitations mm -hmm. there. So it's but, a smaller size. It's a lower yeah, resolution. Yeah. But I mean, for what I mean, honestly, it's like we got people showing up in, in like Christmas sweater, sweaters already and robes from the bathroom. <laughs> right, and right. so when you just even with a, a regular mirrorless camera with a kit lens and you have some decent lighting or whatever, you're going to stand out. And so the software is not that significant enough of a drop in quality compared to like HDMI that I think it makes a difference. The only time I just, I say you should go like an A10 mini route or you should go a capture card route is depending on the setup. What are you trying to do that mm -hmm. it may not be beneficial for you to be reliant on software. It's better and easier for you to just be reliant on software because it's, it's, it's much more um, worthwhile and efficient if you're doing an event you have multiple cameras or you're doing it for your nonprofit to get something like the A10 mini switcher or whatever. And you can just literally have the one device that mm -hmm. isn't going to crash because of a hardware or you running out of memory or something else like that. Don't, you know, it's like, let's not play around with, you know, the stream going down or losing a camera feed. Let's right. just get hardware to do that. If you're at home, you know, solo entrepreneur, or you're just, even if you're running a team, it's just kind of you. And it's just primarily this, you can get away with the software. I did that for like mm -hmm. two years. I primarily use Ecamm live their uh, version of that because they have it for like multiple cameras right. and stuff, so, but it's not like a significant difference. And a lot of people will see like, well, I'm getting a little less quality. It's just like majoring at that point, we're majoring in the minor. Let's okay. focus on content at that point. You know, it's like, if, unless you need it, for the reliability of the event or your stream or multiple feeds, then let's mm -hmm. do hardware. If it's just kind of you, you can get away with software. And if you need to do something more, um, you know, just to kind of remove that uh, access to the port or something like that, or, you know, then right. you can switch to, to hardware, but it's not, it's kind of like a 50, 50. Some of them, some of the um, capture cards and devices like the ATEM mini pro, they offload some of that CPU mm -hmm. from your computer when, I'm using a computer that's a 2015 MacBook Pro, and it should be fine. But sometimes, if I'm using, you know, only software, it starts to feel like, starts boy, to, yeah, 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 the fans <laughs> it's like, wheezing. what are you doing? What are you doing? To me? Yeah. yeah. So this way, I send it all in through one device as a mm -hmm. webcam feed, and then just choose it in in Streamyard. It's yep. so great having you on. I wanted to mention your website, dianagladney.com. You have a cheat sheet for getting started with live streaming, um, whether you're on a Mac or PC. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that and, and how people can get a hold of it to uh, to get going with live streaming. Absolutely. And so uh, that is a cheat sheet that I put together just like right at the start of this whole thing with everybody trying to figure out what to do. And so it breaks down the equipment list like we kind of dove into uh, today so that you'll know when it comes to the microphones, what do you need or what cables or cords, or if you are using uh, a computer, maybe it is a little bit older and you need to offload some of that and you're using something like StreamYard, then it lists those and some of the pros and the cons of that and cameras uh, with what you're using and, and all of that. And so um, you can go to dyna.link forward slash live stream if you want to pick up that guide. But, um, you know, that'll walk you through even from the lights, just kind of really mm -hmm. everything that we talked about, just right. a little bit more in depth. Um, and so that guide has been super helpful too. I know a ton of people and organizations. Awesome. dianagladney.com, youtube.com slash entrewomantv, 
and across the internet at Diana Gladney, except for Twitter is at Diana Gladney too. Yeah. For some reason. So <laughs> I, I, somebody I, else beat lo- you to it. <laughs> no, no, I actually owned the first one. I just forgot like the password and couldn't recover. Oh, so I was okay. just like, well, forget it. It's only like a hundred <laughs> posts for either of them. <laughs> well, thanks again. It's, it's so great having you on and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation another time. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Diana. That is Diana Gladney, and it is awesome to have her on. And so much value. We went a little bit over, but it was just so hard to stop talking about cameras and video and all that good stuff. So before we wrap up, let's get to the remix. Last week, we had the co-founders of Outlaw Mass. We had Carlos Gill and Reggie Williams, and we talked about how they developed their business and grew it and marketed it during this pandemic and also i asked carlos what the long-term plans for his business are what do you guys see as far as as the future goes when we really said all right let's go all in let's create a brand masks is the play but we're talking about creating a fashion brand that goes well beyond just masks you know we have right. we have shirts now we're working behind the scenes you know on creating even di- different colorways based on you know sports teams uh, you know, we're not looking for Outlaw Masks to be here today, you know, gone tomorrow. We realize, to your point, Ross, that masks will be mandated for a while. Even once COVID does blow over, people will still want to feel safe. And, you know, being that, you know, we're both guys that we, we like fashion, we right. said to ourselves, let's let's hang our hats on a product that's first and foremost safe, but also comfortable and it's trendy and fashionable and you'll want to wear it with that nice outfit or that handbag it, you know just like any other accessory that, that we carry on us and reggie williams was a pro baseball player before he got into business and i asked him what impact playing baseball had on his career as a business person. Reggie played professional baseball, was a fourth-round draft pick from the Minnesota Twins, played in their minor league system, won the Harmon Killebrew Award for community service. How has that prepared you, Reggie, to be a business owner? My dad is actually a business owner and a financial advisor. So when I, uh, you know, got drafted by the Twins, you know, basically he was like, you got some good money out of high school, but, you know, there there's some of your buddies there that, that got a lot more than you and you can't do what they what they're doing right financially. So um, for me, it was it's always been a, a, a passion just because of my dad, really. And uh, I got to see through myself uh, being drafted and getting uh, a good chunk of money at a high school what you really need to do as far as a budget goes and you know uh um that's something that i wanted to teach people you know uh when i got out of baseball so awesome having reggie williams and carlos gill from outlaw mass on the show last week you can catch all of our previous shows from this season at youtube.com streamyard youtube.com streamyard The StreamYard Facebook page has uh, shows going back uh, several months. Believe it or not, we're at episode 45. It's been a blast doing this show for more than a year. And we have other shows, not only the new folks who are coming to join us, but we have Dana Bentz with Two Cents with Bentz on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. And Dana and her sister Kelsey host... StreamYard Spotlight, that's where they interview you, the StreamYard user, and talk to you about how you are using the product and how you're using it for your business and what types of streams you're doing. So if you're interested in being interviewed on that show, you can reach out to Dana at contact at StreamYard.com. And then the Town Hall, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, with the co-founders Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs. I'll be back next week on Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting and Ask the Podcast Coach. He has a book out uh, right right coming out this week, I believe, uh, to talk about 
how to make money from podcasting. So uh, that's going to be uh, very interesting. Dave is uh, an amazing, amazing broadcaster, podcaster, and live streamer. I cannot wait to talk to him. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal guy on top of it, and I, I can't wait to have him on next week. So until then, thanks so much for being here. Thanks again to our guest, Diana Gladney, and thank you for being a part of the show.